gun Ramos looking like he's got one more good run Sips a little shaky But his heart is still true Oh how that dog loves hunting with me and you Sporting dog adventures run Hey, this is Jeff Fuller of Soggy Acres Retrievers and Sporting Dog Adventures TV. We have had a great run showing our love for dogs with our show, our podcast, our social media, and all that is based on Soggy Acres Retrievers. We proudly bring this podcast to you by Soggy Acres Retrievers and ask you if you are looking for training, boarding, or a yellow, black, or chocolate Labrador Retriever puppies, please check out SoggyAcres.com. Remember, everyone deserves a Soggy Dog. Our great fans of the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast, we are growing at an astronomical rate, and I want to thank you all. I do ask one thing from you. Please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Please give us a thumbs up. Follow us, subscribe to us on whatever other platforms you're on. And the most important thing I can ask, share our podcast with your friends so that we can grow our love for the dogs and dogs in the field and make it so that people are more involved in our sport. Again, thank you so much for being listeners. Take care. Welcome to the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast. I am your host, Jeff Fuller of Soggy Acres Retrievers, and my hunting season just took a big turn. I get to a point where I really enjoy deer hunting, and this year I was very fortunate to get a great buck early. So now I'm back to, one, guiding for everyone else on our properties for uh, deer, but also looking for places to duck hunt. It is now time to duck hunt. So it's going to be a fun year for me. I'm going to get to the point now where I go out and I probably go with just myself, a dog, and try to learn some different spots on where we're going to hunt. Again, I use my time in a deer stand to scout for ducks as I'm sitting there. It gives me something to do. Watch the birds, see how they're working, see where they're landing, see what type of area they are. What I can definitively say is that the two places that I deer hunt have very few birds. But I watched some birds that were pretty far off. And it really looks like I found some spots where there's not a ton of ducks, but where we're finding spots where the geese are coming in about 9 o'clock for their loafing spot. So it's not a spot that they're roosting necessarily, but they're coming to rest during the day after they feed, and then they're going back out. And it is something that I I have to say it's, it's going to be fun. I think hunting by myself, you can only shoot a four mallards, which is pretty much all we have around right now, and three geese. There's a very good chance that I'll do well uh, with myself, and it'll be fun because... It's just me and the dog. It's something I've never done. I've never worked with just the dog by myself unless we're doing dog training, which is always just you and the dog. But on a hunt, I've never worked with just me and the dog. So I'm going to really enjoy it. I'm going to get out there. I'm going to 
challenge myself to find some new areas with our boat to hunt, some new areas that should work out really well, and also hope that I get a little bit more luck after uh, getting the deer that I did. Hope I get a little bit more luck where the migration comes in. So real quick about my deer hunt, I had about, I think it was the 23rd of October, the biggest buck of my lifetime come in. I screwed up, I wasn't patient, didn't get the deer, and was almost in mourning because it was such a big buck. Tall horns, two feet tall. It was just the most beautiful animal I've ever seen in the woods. Now, I had bad weather and bad winds for where we hunt. We had a day where it rained all night, and I knew it was going to stop raining. It, it said 11 o'clock, but as I was up, I was looking at the radar. I'm like, you know what? I can sneak out there at about 9 o'clock. I'm going to get into a stand. I am going to get myself in position with a deer decoy so that hopefully the stand that I'm in, which is a permanent stand, will keep me dry. It was very windy. It'll keep me warm. More of a convenience thing of getting out there so that I can at least be out during the rut or the early part of the rut and just be there. I went to our one stand. It is a elevated uh, black um, stump stand and we're up. I'm up in it by myself. It is rocking back and forth. It's like probably 15 to 20 mile an hour wind. At our place where we hunt, we have marshes. The deer just don't move. So I tried to pick an open field uh, that had, was one of our food plots that had a woods next to it so that I could get into a spot where I knew the cattails wouldn't be as much of a factor. So we're sitting there and we, uh, we, I bet. I'm sitting there. I always talk we because I always have a dog with me, but I, I must have a mouse in my pocket. I'm sitting there. I right away notice that uh, there's guys working in a parking lot nearby that's right off of our property. I'm, I'm pretty much figuring that, you know what, it's not going to be the best of all worlds having someone work that close to me. But at the same time, what the heck? We're going to be out there. They'll be done at 4 o'clock. I've got two solid hours after that. Hopefully the rain is completely done. Hopefully the wind dies down. Maybe some magic happens. I'm putzing around, texting to uh, a couple of different friends, texting to my wife. I noticed a uh, four, uh, little four-point that was chasing some does, and I thought, you know, it might happen. But again, 200 yards away, i got people working. Now, I am on the edge of a marsh, but 200 yards away, people are working up in a parking lot. Maybe 250 yards, but 250 yards max. And I had just gotten done texting a friend and telling him, I'm not going to see anything. It's just, you know, kind of wasted to be out here. But hey, I'm here. I might as well just wait. I'll be patient in a couple of hours when these guys are done working. Hopefully it, the deer are so bored and they've been sitting still so long that they just can't contain themselves and they run around. I literally hit send. It was at 12.58. At 12.59... I sent him buck down. It happened that fast. This deer was chasing a doe, came near that parking lot where the people were working. I think he got spooked a little bit, came around behind me, which was never supposed to happen. The deer always come out in a certain spot. Of course, he wanted to stay in the cover because I think he felt vulnerable being out. I ended up swinging, getting a shot on him. It was a quick shot, but he was only... I would say I was 20 feet up, and he was probably a total of 10 yards from the stand. Put a good shot on him. He ran 80 yards, hit him right through the heart. 
at that point, I can tell you that I was so happy. It's the biggest buck I've ever shot, which it's not a huge buck. He's probably, he's an eight point. He's probably a 125 inch deer. But that for me is a solid whitetail. I've never shot a bigger whitetail. I was very excited about it. And as I went over, I got there and I still had the dread of, I can't believe I missed that massive one. And now my season's over. But went back, looked at the dog that I had up for a camp dog at cabin and made the decision that, you know what, it's going to be a fun year. I can take my kids out, sit with my kids a few times for archery. I can also go out by myself solo or with a friend or two for a waterfall and then get myself ready and in position so that when gun season comes in, uh, our gun season in Wisconsin is always the first weekend before Thanksgiving. When gun season comes, I get another buck tag and I can have fun. But yes, what an eventful hunt. What a fun hunt. Something that I'll always remember. You always think that, especially with archery, things are going to happen slower. You're going to get to look at the deer. You're going to get to really, really decide, like, is this the one? No, it basically came out. Horns were just outside the ears. Horns were tall. Didn't even know how many points the deer had until I actually went over where the deer went down. Um, and it just, boom, it just happened. Fun hunt. I, if you guys haven't went out, if you're a deer hunter, try to get into archery. Archery is so much fun when these deer are chasing does and acting goofy and running around. I love it, but this was far more like a gun hunt where the deer was just driven. He was on a mission. He was going and he was trying to get into the cattails. Lucky enough, my arrow found him. So that was fun. Now I'm looking forward to a couple of weeks of waterfowl hunting. Hopefully the migration comes. So far, central Wisconsin is pretty devoid of ducks. We've had a very slow season, at least in my area. I don't know many people that have done well. Hopefully, the push of birds is on the way, and we can get going. We're supposed to have cold weather this week, so that should move some birds down. So that's it for the main part of our show. And next, we are going to go into our training slash dog tip, and we're going to talk about the proper time to put a vest on your dog when you're out hunting for waterfall. And then in the end of our show... We are going to talk about how long you should wait until you call a shot. All that and more coming up after this. Jeff Fuller again from Soggy Acres Retrievers and Sporting Dog Adventures Podcast. When you look at hunting, you need to have yourself prepared. Our good friends at Mac Outdoors have reloading supplies as well as great clay target machines to get you prepared so you have more success in the field. Don't get that dirty look from your dog. Check out Mac Outdoors. Jeff Fuller from Sporting Dog Adventures and Soggy Acres Retrievers. In our house, my wife hates having the plastic kennels and wire crates. We need them for the dogs because we have times when they need to be put somewhere, but she cannot stand the look. So we talked to DCT Kennels, and we now have a new partnership with them for a product that is a crate, but also a piece of furniture. If you want something that is practical, as well as great looking, check out DCT Kennels. Welcome back to the show. A question that is common with people in the dog world that are newer, and sometimes even people that just don't hunt in cold weather, is when do you put a vest on your dog? I try to wait until my air temperature is below about 45 or my water temperature is getting to the point where we are in that same temperature range. Right now in Wisconsin, we've had, I'd say an average fall. 
Uh, we are going into a week now where we're going to have low 20s for lows, probably around 42 for a high. So my dogs will have a vest on the rest of the season. You don't want to put it on when it's too warm because you can overheat a dog. You also want to make sure that your vest is snug to the fit so that it is keeping their vitals warm. Dogs have a very good coat. It keeps them warm. They don't need a vest if it's warmer than that, in my opinion, as long as they're out of water. So that would be the other thing is when you have them, if you have a dog stand and they're in water or they're in a boat, make sure they have a dry area where they can be because that water will beat off of them and they will keep a good natural warmth to them. With that said also, I always have a dog blind, whether hunting on a boat or whether I'm hunting on land, I have a dog blind that has walls on it. So it keeps the wind off of the dog and basically lets, I, I guess, their heat um, sit in that little hut with them. But we're going to go full dog, full dog vest. We are going to put a good tight vest on the dog. Not too tight, but snug. The other thing that I always look for with vests, you want to make sure that they aren't rubbing on the dog's front armpits. I don't know what the technical term would be, but I call it their armpit because I've seen dogs that got very raw when they didn't have a vest that fit well. I've actually had vests where I've cut away some of the neoprene. I do use a neoprene vest. It is good for keeping them warm. It's good. It's waterproof. It, it doesn't degrade. And it also, the, the vests now have a handle on them. So if you have to pick a dog up to get them back in a boat or or off a shore where they're struggling, you have a good handle so that you can help them. But again, it is dog vest time in Wisconsin. Our season still has a good month left. We're going to make sure they stay warm, stay healthy, and hopefully the migration comes and we have some fun hunts with our dogs upcoming. Next, stay tuned for the hunting tip, which is going to be when to call that shot. All that and more coming up after this. Hey, this is Jeff Fuller from Sporting Dog Adventures Podcast. I want you to know that we buy all of our trucks at Boucher Automotive. We go to Janesville. They've got a great selection, great staff. If you're looking for a new truck or car, check out our friends at Boucher Automotive in Janesville. Hey, welcome back to the show. So, when to call that shot? It's funny because I've hunted all over North America, and early in the season... It's much easier to call a shot because the birds work better. But as you get later into a season when the birds have been hunted from Canada all the way down to Louisiana, they start to get pretty smart. They start to really figure out what they're looking at. They won't fall necessarily for the same patterns when you have the same look for them in decoy spreads. And it just gets to be, I guess, more difficult in a sense that they are in a position where they're very wary. So when I look at calling a shot, it's funny because I always tell people the two things that I hate coming in are lesser Canada geese because they come in in huge groups. And I know everyone loves it, but I cannot stand it when you have those huge groups of mallard mallards. They are so smart. They take so many passes, and I have called shots way too early so many times. My key on that is that you have to wait. You have to make sure that, one, they're in range, but two, I like to get it so that they're in range so that you get a good kill shot in your first shot and your second shot so you can aim well on two. By the third shot, generally speaking, birds are going to be pretty far out, 
but I like to make it so that they are within 20 yards. That is so painful to do. It's so painful to wait that long. It is something that you, no matter how long you hunt, you always struggle with because you're always thinking, is it the right time? It is something that we have screwed up, I don't know, countless times. It, it, when you're in a duck blind, it's always people arguing about you should have called the shot or you called the shot too soon. And you get guys where it bounces back and forth. Fine, you call the shot next time. I mean, I'm, I don't want to call the shot. No, no, you call the shot. And it goes back and forth and back and forth. Everyone that's duck hunted quite a bit will understand that. And it is something, it's, it's almost comical at times when you have this happen. But rule of thumb, try to make sure they're within 20 yards. You're going to probably screw up even that because you're going to think they're 20 yards and then realize they're out farther. But try to get them in at 20 yards. Make sure that they are in a good position. Make sure that they are in a killable position. Take that first bird. If you got a big group especially, remember, pick one bird. Don't flock shoot. Pick that one bird. Pick that second bird. And if you're lucky, you can still pick that third bird. But generally speaking, that third shot a lot of times is in your gun. So that if you need to uh, shoot one on the water that's not all the way dead, you have it. Make sure that you are getting them in so that you can have more success in the hunt. And trust me when I tell you that everything that I just said is so easy to say and so hard to do when you're excited out there and you get that group of birds in and you finally get the shot. And then, like so many times I've done, you shoot, nothing happens, and you realize, I called the shot too soon. Mallards are going to make lots of passes. I've waited as many as 10 passes till you shoot at, shoot at a group. It all depends on how hard, how heavy they're pressured. But make sure you're waiting. Make sure you're getting a good shot. And make sure that you have fun and laugh, even when you don't have, don't have success. That's half the fun, is giving each other crap because someone missed and shot bad, or you all shot bad, or you called it too early. It's, it's, it's part of hunting. It's part of fun. It's not all about getting. It's about the experience. So with that said, I want to thank you so much for listening to today's show. Give us a thumbs up, five-star rating, share us with your friends. Go to Anchor Support if you can. Donate even a dollar a month. Everything helps. We have the fastest-growing dog-related podcast out there. We have grown in our listenership tenfold in the last two months. It is something that is great because we are about no ego, getting more people involved in the sport that we all love, and hopefully growing the great sport of hunting and hunting with dogs. Stay tuned for next week's show. I'm going to try to do one more this week, but otherwise we'll be back on next week. Thank you so much. Have a great week. Good luck in the field, and God bless. Sporting dog adventures run, boy, run. Everything you need is here under the sun.